and good morning. If you're new to our church, my name is Jim, one of the pastors here is Ben. Isn't it awesome seeing your face on the screen up there? Uh, if you've been coming to our campus for a, uh, a minute, you know Ben Fielder, who now works for Woodside as well in our stewardship. And uh, Ben works with your kids a lot on Sunday mornings with Josh, and we love Ben and what he brings to our church. I know that you love seeing yourself on the screen as much as I do. It's fun. But isn't it cool to hear what God is doing? And this is just an opportunity. We want to always be faithful in reporting out what, what God is doing and what we call you to as a church at the year end as well as what's going to be happening. You'll continue to hear more about that. But I just want to, from the bottom of my heart, say thank you for your generosity. This is amazing what God is doing at Woodside across all of our campuses and across global partners and seeing the impact that it's going to make is pretty amazing. I got to spend a little time with John and Nut in, uh, a couple weeks ago in Dubai and just hearing their excitement of what your generosity is going to do to be able to go into Vietnam and Myanmar and China, all these places for the impact of the gospel is pretty amazing and unbelievable. And so again, this is just an opportunity for us to say, hey, thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. And thank you for what you're doing in our church just by your faithfulness in stewardship and uh, generosity here in this place. And uh, it's exciting and amazing to see what God is doing, not just here, but around the world. And so, and if you're new, thanks for being here. And uh, this is what we've been working at towards the end of the year. And uh, we'll continue to look forward for God's faithfulness in 2024. Amen? Cool, cool. Um, if you would turn to Daniel with me. Daniel chapter 6 today. We're going to be actually closing out our series on the book of Daniel. We've been in a series for the last, I think, five weeks uh, in a series we called Daniel Clashing or Clash of Cultures, looking at how Daniel's life was lived out in a culture that wasn't very advantageous for him to follow God. And as we increasingly live in a day and age where it seems like it's harder and harder to live on our faith, um, it's nothing what Daniel went through, but it's still a, a relevant object lesson for us to look at and see, hey, how does this impact how we live, how we function, how we operate in everyday life? And it's been really fun. And I've heard a lot of, of people just saying, reading the book of Daniel, it's been really relevant to our lives. And I think today is no different. As we continue, we're going to end in chapter six today and try to get through the entirety of it and see again how Daniel is put in a place where he's called to be faithful to God. When you think about faithfulness, for you as a follower of Jesus today, maybe you're joining us online, you're not a follower of Jesus, you're here, you're the friend, you're not a follower of Jesus, that's cool. We're glad you're here, and I would love to hear what you think, even in this perspective. So as, as you think about your life in faithfulness, when you just think about, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions just to get us going this morning. When you think about faithfulness, who or what comes to mind? Just think about that. Faithfulness. Maybe for you, it's your mom and dad. It's a grandfather. It's a pastor. Not from here, but maybe some other place. Faithfulness. What comes to mind? What do you think about? For me, I was preparing, and I just couldn't get over when I asked myself that question as I was with all of our global partners, I was just overwhelmed with their faithfulness to God. People that are living in areas of the world in the middle of wars and people saying, hey, we can remove you from that situation. Why don't you come here and come to safety or whatever it might be? And their response is, absolutely not. 
This is where God has called me. This is where God wants me. I'm here to be a light and be the hands and feet of Christ in this pivotal moment. Like, this is what God wants from me, and I'm going to be faithful to the end, even if it means death, because this is what God has called me to. In places of the world where, where you can be put in prison for sharing your faith, and some of them have been to prison numerous times. And yet they're still in those moments saying, no, it doesn't matter. What I believe and what God has called me to does not trump. It is not trumped by the cultural nuances around me. Rather, I want to be faithful to God. And it just got me, honestly, unbelievably humbled. When I think about my own, my own life, one of the things that I want said of me, as a pastor, you get to do a lot of weddings and funerals. And one of the things I hope for at the end of my life is that the people around me, my kids, my, my people that see me in and out of life will be able to say that Jim was faithful. Like, he, he was a faithful dad. He was a, my kids will say, he was a faithful to my mom. He was a faithful follower of Jesus. He was, he was faithful. And we all long for one day when we stand before God to hear what? Well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. That's what I long for. I, I hope that's what you long for, is to be found faithful. Because the things I'm learning is, man, I... I at any moment, we could be standing before the Lord. And will I hear faithful, faithful, faithful? It's just something that's been really on my heart as I'm preparing for today to hear literally about Daniel's life and seeing him faithful. And I ask you another question because it seems like for me, it's, it's in and out of different seasons. So right now in this season of life, where or what to is God calling you to be faithful to? You might be in a season where it's really challenging in your marriage and, and God's saying faithful. You might be in a season where it's really challenging to, to shepherd your children and God's saying be faithful, just committed. Or it might be a season where you're, you're just overwhelmed by busyness and, and you don't know what to do and, and there's so many plates spinning and you're like, I don't have time to spend time with the Lord and God is saying faithful. What is it for you? I'm just riddling off the ones that it was for me. <laughs> like, where is God calling you right now in this season to be faithful? Well, I want you to see today as we look at chapter 6, to be faithful. I just want you to remember that. Be faithful. God delivers, as we're going to see, maybe the most famous story in all of Daniel. It is Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you grew up with flannel graph in church? Yeah, and, and you could see it. On the flannel graph, like David, or not David, um, uh, uh, um, Daniel with like a lion laying on his lap petting it. Anybody get that image? From the flannel graph, you put it up there and you're like, was that really what it was like? I know that, that we're going to read, like God closed the mouths of the lions, but was he really petting them like his dog and laying on them, you know? Maybe, I don't know. But there's this picture, right, in Daniel chapter 6. But there's a reason why he was there. And there's some nuances found in the text of what does a faithful life to God produce? What is it? What is it? What, what's the outcome? 
And that's what I want you to see today. And we're going to just try to tread through some scripture. I'm going to read some of it. I'm just going to summarize some of it. You can read it on your own. I believe you can all read and, and we'll process it together. And I just want to call you to be faithful that God is a God of deliverance. And if we are found faithful, God will be there with us. Amen? So we're going to uh, read the first number of verses here at the beginning, just the first nine verses. I just want to walk through them and just give you a little context of where we're at. In Daniel's story, if you look with me, in chapter 6, verse 1, we're going to start reading there. It says, it pleased Darius. So Darius is the new king. If you remember, the other one was overthrown. The, the, the Medo-Persian empire is starting now. This is King Darius. It says this in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, satraps are just areas of the kingdom. And it says, to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials. So he picks three officials to oversee these 120 areas of the kingdom. And over them three officials, verse 2, of whom Daniel is one of them, to whom these sex traps uh, should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. And so these three individuals are going to oversee these areas of the kingdom uh, so that they would not suffer any loss. Really, they're going to be taxes collected. They want to make sure that they're managed well and that the king suffers no loss. Verse 3. Then, the, then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. You ever heard that about yourself? You have an excellent spirit in you. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel's about to be really, he's, he's rising above all the rest. He, he, he has got an excellent spirit in him. We know what that means from the rest of it. The spirit of God is with him and, and walking with him and he's following the Lord. And naturally, he's just rising to the top. He's about to be set as the second most powerful individual in the entire world, in the kingdom. He's going to be Second in command, verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground to complain against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. Listen to this. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. Why? Because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the king, excuse me, all the high officials to the, of the kingdom, the, per, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den, the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which account, which cannot be revoked, excuse me. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So they're, they're, they're not really happy. These guys, they're noticing that Daniel, this this foreign guy really in their kingdom, it seems as though something, some presence is upon him. He's rising to the top. He's becoming the most influential and they have to bring him down. Like we can't allow this guy to be the top guy. So we can't find any fault in him. Like there's, there's nothing in his life that we can find faulty. He's so faithful to all that, that he's supposed to be doing in his life and what God's called him. He's doing the best possible job he can. So the only way we can do it is if we trap him and make it illegal to follow his God. We know he's faithful in following his God. So if we make it illegal to follow his God, we can trap him 
in this moment. And that's where we pick up the story to look at what faithfulness does. What does it produce? What does it look like? Well, if we look in the very, in, in verse 10 and continuing, look what it says in verse 10 and 11. So when, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, listen to this, and just put yourself in his shoes. What would you do? How would you respond? When he knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God and then gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Verse 11, then these men, these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and be, plea before his God. So, man, what, is, what does faithfulness do? And the first thing faithfulness does is a, a Christian faithfulness, it actually cultivates character in us. You can see that in, in the text. This is amazing, this, this, this section of the, of the story for me, right? Uh, what, what's his response? For me, I'd be kind of maybe freaking out. Like tomorrow, a decree happens in the United States. You're no longer allowed to, to worship or petition God. All of your petitions have to go through the president or, or, or you're not allowed to do that. And now it's illegal for you to practice your faith in this country. What's your, what's your emotional response? Anxiety, feeling overwhelmed. It, it seems as though Daniel is unhindered, non-anxious attitude, just kind of like goes on about his life, Right? The law of the land is contradicting the law of God, and therefore that's when uh, really civil disobedience for him is enacted because it's, it's over, overstepping what God has called him to. And so he says, hey, there should be no other gods before me. I don't pray through you. I pray to God myself. And he goes before the Lord. I love it. The windows are open. The, the, the shades are open. He doesn't care. And he sits down before the Lord three times. He doesn't cave or compromise. He's not overwhelmed. He doesn't say, oh, God, what are you doing? Why would you allow this to happen? He, as he normally did, gets down before the Lord and prays. You think about it for a moment. In the text we just read, verses 10 and 11, what in this moment has brought him to a place to be found faithful? What in the text do you read that you see this, man, this is why this has allowed him in this moment to, to have a, a faithful character in following the Lord, right? Because I said faithfulness cultivates character. And you see it here, that the, the writer of the passage makes this amazing stat, statement that kind of is, the, to me, the root of, of Daniel's integrity here. He, he says in verse 10, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, what? As he had done previously. Does that speak to you at all? This is not some new thing. It's not like, oh, I'm in crisis now, like many of us are as Christians. Now I'm in crisis. Now I got to get down on my knees and I got to pray for the Lord to, to do something or move on my behalf. Oh, man, that this didn't go my way. Now I got to go before the Lord. Oh, man, my kids are going sideways. I got to start praying now. Or, man, I lost my job. Now I have to pray. Or I got a, a, a bad, a, a bad um, news from the doctor. Now I start to pray and I ask people to start to pray for me. No, it says Daniel didn't start it here. He says he gets down three times a day on his knees before the Lord. Why? He had always done it that way. This was his character. 
His faithfulness before the Lord in this moment, it brought him to this place. Daniel had built a a habit of prayer in his life, and that consistency in, in prayer is finding him faithful in this moment. You see, in the beginning of the series, we talked about Daniel. And Daniel 1, when he's brought in and, hey, you're going to be one of my guys. You're supposed to eat this and not that. Daniel, we said, was a young man. Some people believe less than 20. Some people believe as young as 13. Well, that's not Daniel now. Daniel now, most believe, is in his 80s. And so from that time when Daniel was first called to be faithful... And now he's at his, in his 80s, toward the end of his life. Over the course of time, he had produced through habits, character-building habits, to be faithful before the Lord in, in the moment that he needed to. I've shared this uh, uh, many other times. I just think it's so practical for us in our daily lives. The last men's night out we had last, in January, I shared this exact thing, talking about the story of David. I think that we love the story of David and Goliath. I, we, we, it's one of the more famous stories in the Bible as well, that David, he comes to the scene of, of the, the Philistines and, and Israel, and, and his, his brothers are there, and everybody's overwhelmed. Like There's this giant dude out there that wants to literally eat us. And, and the way that they, the Philistines fought is, man, before war to save people, you just bring out one of yours against one of mine, and we'll fight each other, and whoever wins, the other ones, you know, that you win. And so, of course, they bring out David, this giant of a man. Everybody's like, I, I ain't going out there. You can go out there, but I ain't going out there. I'd rather die in the battlefield than have that guy eat me alive. Right? And David comes on the scene just to bring, he's a nobody, he doesn't even have an inheritance in his family. He's just left down as a hireling to, hire, to, to, to watch the sheep, right? And he's supposed to bring his brother's lunch, and he gets there, and he's like, who is this guy that's saying something about my God? And you think about that moment, you're like, man, that's awesome. So who, we, we use it for all these illustrations like, what are the giants in your life that you need to slay and all this? But there's a backstory, right? You, you read how is David in that moment faithful when everybody's watching and every eye is on him? Well, he says, man, when no one is around and I'm watching the sheep and, and I don't even get to get any of these sheep. I'm so low on the totem pole. These are my brother's inheritance, not mine. I'm just basically a hired shepherd. I'm so unimportant important when, when, when they come to find a king in our household, they don't even mention me as one of the sons. They're like, oh, yeah, we got David, but he's not watching the sheep. He's a nobody. And he says, man, when the bear comes and the lion comes, what did he say he did? He grabbed it and he killed it. When no one's watching, no one's there cheering, you could have one lamb. It's not my inheritance. It's okay. I don't want to die. Here you go. Maybe you should have this one. You want two? You can have three. (laughs) But no. His character produced faithfulness. It's something my, 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 one of my mentors taught me a long time ago through this story is that private passion equals public power. Private passion of David to say, no, this is what God's called me to. I will do this. I am, I am, I'm here for my family. No one's looking. No one's praising me. No one's saying, yes, you are awesome, David, but I'm going to be faithful here when no one's around. And then when the moment comes for me to stand up and slay a giant, here I am. And I overcome all that's in front of me because privately, man, I, I slay lions and bears. This guy's no big deal. You see, this is what I'm getting at here. Daniel wasn't 
hey, this is my moment, I'm gonna stand up. He had been doing it his whole life. So this was just another day in his life for him to be found faithful, doing exactly what he was doing before. He had built in a practice and a habit of holiness to go before the Lord. And now when the pressure was against him, he's like, this is just another day. I can be faithful. His character was built over time, right? That's why it's come to you today. I don't know if you watch what's going around in the world, but it's not getting more advantageous to be a believer of Jesus. It's going the opposite. Amen. If you want to be faithful in the world we're living in, to be found faithful walking with the Lord, what are the habits that are built into your life privately when no one is around that when publicly you have to stand up for your faith, you are going to be able to do it because you're built in, in it's built into who you are and how you're living. I mean, just general habits, like spiritual disciplines, like reading your Bible, spending time with the Lord. We have a generation of Christians today that are spiritually illiterate. And there's some in this room that we, we, we think that what I'm going to say from the stage is enough for you to become a, a more faithful follower of Jesus. And it's not. We have to be people that are in the word before the Lord, asking him to reveal himself to you. Prayer before the Lord, not just when, hey, the going gets tough, but a habit of prayer in our families, in our children, in our, in our lives. Do you have, do you have habits of, of silence and solitude where the Lord can just reveal himself to you? Do you have habits of spending time with other believers that know things about you that no one else knows so that when things happen, they can be there to walk with you? I, I could go on and on, but what are the spiritual habits that you have formed in your life to build faithfulness. All the time I hear, man, I just want to be a witness, but I don't know what that looks like. I'll just tell you, if you do not have practices of private holiness, private habits of character, you will never publicly stand up or live out what you want to if you're not doing it in private before the Lord. You, you, you will continue to be like, man, I wish, I wish, I wish. What are the faithful things that God is calling you to in the private that he will utilize in the public. See here for Daniel, this is just another day. For the last 70 years, he's been living in a foreign land following Jesus. As you go on, verses 12 through 24, we're not gonna read all of it. Not, what does what, what faithfulness produce? Yeah, it, it produces character. But faithfulness, it reveals, and you'll see in this moment, in the, the, probably the highlight of the whole text, deliverance, right? Daniel's disobeyed the king's decree. He's kept his habit. He goes up and he prays. He's doing what he normally does. And you can see in the text, when you read it, if you read on your own, it's almost as if these officials are giddy. They're happy. They're excited. Like, we've got them. And as fast as they can, they run to go and tell the king, Right? And King, I just want to read, I got to read a couple of verses. Verse 14 through 23, as you read it, you just sense some of the emotion of the king. In verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, as they come and they, they can't wait to sell them out, they tell on him, hey, your, your buddy Daniel, one of your officials, he disobeyed the decree that you just put in motion. Verse 14 says, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. 
Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his he sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, listen to this, the king arose and he went with haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out, in a tone of anguish, the king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. Also before you, O oh, king, I have done no harm. I didn't read anything about Daniel petting the lions in there, but it's probably there. And the lions became my pets in the middle of the night. It was fantastic, right? But you see, faithfulness, it, it reveals, it, it shows deliverance when we're faithful to the Lord, when you read it. I, I loved Darius. He, he has such a, an affection for Daniel. He's obviously seen something in him. He's so sad and downcast that he has to do this, but he does it anyways because he's been tricked into making this law and the execution is put in motion and they throw him into this pit. We don't have a ton of time to look at it, but it would have been probably like a, a cave or a, a room or a pit in the ground where it could be sealed and the lions were kept down there. This was probably a pretty normative thing like, hey, you didn't make my food right into the den and they throw a guy down there, you know, like. This is what they did with people. And so here he is. He's tossed down there. And there was a big rock that would have closed it. So it's probably even very dark in there. And he's closed in. Can you just imagine for a moment? He's just thrown down there. And Darius, it says that he, he goes home upset to his palace. And he's fasting. And he's overwhelmed by the thought of his friend Daniel being eaten alive by the, 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 the lions. And he even says, I pray that your God will be able to save you. It says the next morning, with haste, urgently, he gets up like running to go and see if the lions have eaten his friend Daniel. And he runs down there. Did you survive? Daniel, are you okay? Did you get your head torn off or whatever? And Daniel says, yeah, I'm good. I've been petting lions all night, right? But what did he say? My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because what? I was found blameless before the Lord and also before you, O king, and what I have done. The, the writer points out in verse 23, I love, because he trusted in his God. See, in his faithfulness, he trusted the Lord. Whatever you have, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. They say I can't pray to you. I'm going to do it anyways because that's what you call me to. I do it. I get thrown in a den of lions. I don't care, Lord. I, I trust you. It's okay. I can walk through this because you're with me. You're walking with me. You see, faithfulness reveals deliverance that God shows up. I don't know if you believe that or not. I don't know if this church believes that or not. Do you believe that God delivers today? Okay. I believe 
that God is a God of deliverance, that God is faithful to walk with us through life. And he doesn't always deliver us from what happens. The story isn't always the same, that you won't be eaten by lions, but it doesn't mean God won't be there with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It does not say there is no evil. It says I don't have to fear the evil. Why? Because he walks through it with me. Right? And I can trust the Lord like we sang about today because he's faithful to walk with me. And it might be challenging for all of us in this room to put ourselves in Daniel's shoes because I don't see any of us in this room in this day and age being tossed into a den of lions. And sometimes we can just read over this really quickly and be like, yeah, that's great, Jim, but I'm not being thrown in a den of lions. But, man, there's wisdom here for us. That God will show up. And I'll just be honest with you. If you are never in need of God's deliverance in your life, and I'm not just talking about healing and, and other things. If you're never in a place where you need God's deliverance, you may not be living faithfully for the Lord. If you're never in need of God showing up in your life, you may not be living faithfully. We may not be living faithfully. Because what God calls us to, there's going to be some cost to it. Right? There's going to be things that we have to walk through. We're going to need deliverance. We're going to need the Lord to show up. I don't even have to, just for me to, to live out being a pastor, I need the Lord all the time. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I didn't learn in seminary how to walk through this with this individual. Lord, I, I need you. Like, no one taught me how to be a good dad. Like, I watched my dad, but no one sat me down and ran a course with me. Lord, I need you to show up here. Lord, if I'm, if I'm going to live on mission for you, it's going to mean that I'm going to have some awkward conversations, and I don't even know what that looks like. The other night, it's about 9 o'clock at night. I'm at uh, my kid's soccer practice, and I get a text message from good friends of ours who, um, I don't know if they follow the Lord or not. And, hey, Jim, will you come and just pray? Um, my dad's almost passing. I get out of my car, it's about 10 o'clock at night, and I'm walking in to their home, and I don't know, I don't know if you know, but I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to pray. So I just say, Lord, I need you to somehow speak to people that maybe don't believe and maybe don't know for what I should say to them because, Lord, I just, I don't need, I don't know. How do I be faithful here, Lord? Just really quickly, I can't call a ton of people. I'm here. Just what do, what do I do, Lord? What do I walk in? What do I say? Man, if we're going to live faithfully to the Lord, we're going to have opportunity to step into. And we're going to need the Lord to show up. And I'll just ask you, like, what, what, what season of life are you in right now? What, what hypothetical... <laughs> Then are you in where you need the Lord to show up in deliverance? Because he's faithful. He'll be there. It may not be what we want, but he's faithful. Man, one, of the, one of the coolest things I get to see is redemption. 
as a pastor, I see so many stories of redemption. They don't always end in redemption. One of the coolest things is to watch people's marriages that are, are just completely a wreck and they're at odds and they never want to see each other again be here in this building sitting next to each other worshiping the Lord because God has faithfully shown up. It's so amazing to see because God is a God of deliverance. When we're faithful, when we walk with them, and he says, no, be faithful. Where is God asking you in this moment to be faithful? Because he'll show up. He'll walk with you. He'll be there with you. He's a God of deliverance. We'll have to move on in verse 25. It says, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples. So his response. Then the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages, that that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble, listen to this, and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of The lions. I mean, isn't that an amazing testimony? This is like the most uh, most powerful man in the world at the time. Some some pagan king who sees the faith of Daniel and the faithfulness of Daniel and the faithfulness of God. And this is his story to tell now. And he doesn't just tell it. He tells the whole known world at the time. That's the last thing. Look, what does faithfulness produce? It, It sparks spiritual awakening in other people. When people see your faithfulness, it impacts their life. I don't know if you know that. And people are watching. One of the things we have to wrestle with through this whole story, the whole series really, is that like Daniel, you have a life that you're living before the world and the world is watching more than you know. They're watching what you post on social media as a believer in Jesus because one post is like, thank you, Lord, I'm worshiping. And every time we read a Bible now, we have to take a picture and post it on the internet. And then the next one, What are they seeing? What are you revealing? Your coworkers, do they know you're a believer? And if they do, they're watching the way you live. I I say this may be too much because that's just what I'm in right now. Your kids are watching your faithfulness. They're looking to see what you live out. And their story will be impacted by your story, like, like Darius here, he sees Daniel. He's so overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God in his life and his faithfulness to God. This is his response. That God is faithful. You should worship this God. Like he speaks more of God's sovereignty and dominion and who he is than most believers, right? Um, I, as I was thinking about faithfulness and the impact that our faith and our faithfulness produces faith in other people. I was thinking about my own life, like, what are things that have impacted me in watching others in my life? And I, I thought about this, what we're doing right now in church. I don't know what your upbringing was, and maybe this is something new to you. When I grew up, we were in church on Sunday morning, and if we weren't, it was like something like tragic had happened. We were in church on Wednesdays. We were in church on Tuesdays. I think we lived at the church most of the time. But it was a big deal to my mom and dad, specifically my dad. My dad dad would, every morning we had to dress up, we had to put suits and ties on every Sunday morning. 
Like I knew how to tie a tie before I was like 10 years old. And it had to be buttoned up at the top and you had to put it on and that's what I had to wear to church. And every Sunday, my dad would be like, your hair better be combed, you better have a suit on. And we're at church every Sunday. And we were there every week. And I'm just telling you, that made an impact on me. Like if I wasn't the pastor of this church tomorrow, I would be in church the next Sunday. When I travel with my family, I'm in church if, if I'm able to in that place. In a couple weeks, I'm going to Dallas, Texas for my daughter's soccer team. And while I'm there, I already have plans. I'm going to a church there on Sunday morning. And I'm not doing it because I'm a pastor. There is something that was instilled in me as a young kid that this is important, what we do when we gather. And it's part of the reason why I'm here as a pastor. And it was poured into me because it was important to my dad and mom. And their faithfulness to the kingdom of God and to their local church made a profound impact on my heart and my faith that the, that the local church is important. And now, man, this is something like I, 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 I can't live without. And I've had my shares of problems with the church, trust me. And all I'm saying, and I want you to hear today, is that your faithfulness can be the reason for someone else's faith. That there is a world watching. There is people all around you. They might be sitting next to you. They might be at the local coffee shop. They might be your neighbor. They might be your coworker. They might be people in your small group. They might be your children, your spouse, your extended family that are watching your faithfulness to the Lord. And I'm telling you, whether you believe it or not or see it in this lifetime, it's impacting their faith for the kingdom of God. And so... Like I asked you at the beginning, what is God calling you to be faithful in in this season of your life? Where is he calling you to be faithful? For me, I don't have to share them here. I've wrestled with them. I've wrote them down. But for you today, before you leave, before we end this series, and we look at a life like Daniel's who lived unbelievably faithful to the Lord... Where is God calling you to be faithful in this season? And where do you need to drill down in that place to be found faithful walking before the Lord today? And I don't need to remind you or tell you what those are. Like I say every week, I believe strongly in the Holy Spirit of God that is already revealing those things to you right now. But may we be found faithful and following after the Lord, producing character in us, filling up other people's cups with faith as they see us live out our faithfulness before the Lord. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thanks for today and these moments we have together. Thanks for the character of Daniel, God, and how unbelievably faithful he was to you. Thank you for saints that went before us, that we're able to see in our own lives. Thank you for parents that were faithful. Thank you for missionaries and people around the globe that are faithful and how their faithfulness impacts our lives, God. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you would drill down in our hearts and our souls today before we leave this place. And remind us, for some in the room, it's very quick and easy. I know right now in this season, Lord, you're asking me to be faithful here. For others, it may be different. 
It may be more of a soul-searching. Lord, I ask that you'd reveal it to all of us in this moment. Those joining us online, would you reveal it to them that in this moment, in these days, they would, they would wrestle with, where is it, Lord? You're, you're asking me to be faithful. For those in this room or online that don't have consistent holy habits that are building a character of faithfulness, God, would you just, would you just press into us? Call us, woo us. May all of us in this place, not when the going gets tough, but every day be found faithful in the good times, the hard times, and the overwhelming times for your glory and your name that a watching world might look on and say, man, that is a God. That's a real God. That's a loving God. That's a faithful God. And it might impact their lives as well. Thank you, God, for who you are and that you are a trustworthy God that walks with us, that lives with us. And may our praises even now, Lord, be an offering to you in response to your great faithfulness in our lives. It's in Jesus' great name we pray.